Psalm 55 is the next sermon in our sermon series, Through the Psalms. We're in book two of the five books of the Psalms, and so we will just keep working through each of these Psalms and think through what they have to say to us. I'm going to read the passage, and I hope you'll follow along. If you're using a black Bible, that's page 445 in those black Bibles. You'll look for the big, large, bold print for 55, and that's where we'll start reading. And those little numbers along the side are verse numbers. And if you're really not used to using a Bible and everything I just said was kind of new to you, take one of these black Bibles and take it home, free. Our gift to you, thank you for visiting Embassy Church. We would be more than happy to buy cases and cases of Bibles over the next several years. I've been saying this for nine years, and guess what we've been doing? Buying cases and cases of Bibles because people take these home. So some of you, that might be you today. Please read God's word on your own throughout the week. We hope that as we meditate and study Psalm 55, it'll be just a little glimpse of how rich and beautiful the Bible is. We're about to read a psalm that's about betrayal. You'll see right on your handout, the title I've given this is a song, because these would have been sung in corporate worship, a song about the burden of betrayal. A song about the burden of betrayal. I think one of the most precious gifts in life is friendship. I think one of the best things about a church is when people take seriously investing in one another and not just attending on a Sunday for an hour and then checking out the rest of the week, but becoming friends, close friends. My hope and prayer is that Embassy through the years will have people that commit to saying, I want to center my life around the local church, and I want to have deep and meaningful relationships and friendships. Sadly, though, some of us, we don't want those kind of relationships because of the hurt and pain that friends and family members have caused us by their betrayal. So we put our defenses up. We keep a a stiff arm. The loneliness over the last two years over the pandemic has reminded me as a pastor how vital it is for us to be in community together and experience the Christian life with one another, with people that you can trust. So what do you do if in the future or you're still dealing with a betrayal from the past will prevent you from the amazing blessing of deep community. Psalm 55, I believe, was given to us so that we can cast upon the Lord our anxious burdens, especially the burden of betrayal. Psalm 55 was given for us. As I read it, realize that's your big idea. It was given to us so we can cast all of our burdens upon the Lord. All feelings of anxiety. Social anxiety that would keep you from church next week. Don't like being around people. Cast all of your anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for you. Let's read the psalm together and then let's work through it, understanding that this is why we have this passage of Scripture. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a maskil of David. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me, 
I am restless in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble upon me and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. Selah. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Destroy, O Lord. Divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. For it is not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive. For evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. But I call to God. And the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon. I utter my complaint and moan and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old, Selah. Because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter. Yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil. Yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'm assuming many of you have experienced some kind of betrayal. And the pain of having a close friend or family member and then reading through Psalm 55, I hope you're already starting to see this is helpful. This would be useful for that personal situation. This would be a good psalm to just kind of tuck into your mind. Even if you don't remember every word of it, memorize it, 55. I get betrayed, that's when I should turn to Psalm 55. But but it's not just betrayal. As I said, the big idea of why we have this is we're being instructed, we're being taught to cast all of our burdens upon the Lord because of his great care for us. And I think that the thing that really hurts the most 
when friendship and when relationships and when anxiety, even if it's not dealing with betrayal or relational anxiety, is that feeling of loneliness. And that's one of the things I've been contemplating all week. And therefore, I would like to say repeatedly to you all, remember Psalm 55 when you're feeling anxious and burdened and lonely and betrayed and read it, but don't read it alone. First, don't read Psalm 55 alone because it's in a collection. Don't read it alone. It's in a collection. Notice that our psalm begins with, to the choir master, with string instruments, a maskil of David. It's in a collection called Book 2 that begins in Psalm 42, but this is a collection within a collection. Look back at Psalm 54, to the choir master, with stringed instruments, a maskil of David. Look at Psalm 53, to the choir master, according to Mahalath, a maskil of David. Look at Psalm 52, to the choir master, a maskil of David. And that's where our collection begins and ends. Some Psalm 52, 53, 54, 55. A four-psalm collection, all with this heading, a maskil. And I've mentioned in previous weeks, I believe that it means a word of instruction. A word of instruction from a man's personal life. And so, don't read it alone. It's in a collection to instruct the people of God, to sing and corporately worship together with this word. But realize that this collection is put together probably not by accident. Anybody want to just think, hey, maybe there's a reason these four psalms are together. Two quick observations. Don't read it alone. Read it as a collection. You might start to notice a little bit of a theme. The theme of betrayal. How did Psalm 52 begin? Doag the Edomite snitched on David and told King Saul where he was. Psalm 53, no superscription about setting, but we hear this awful, terrible description about the wickedness of men. And sandwiched around that is another betrayal moment. The Ziphites, last week we considered Psalm 54. In Psalm 54, we saw that one of David's own tribe's people, the Ziphites, so these are like his neighbors, went and told King Saul where he was. On a separate occasion, Doag the Edomite and then the Ziphites. And now, Psalm 55. If you read them as a collection, you'll see this theme kind of run through all four of them. Wickedness and betrayal about people that David thought were his enemies. That's understandable. But what about his own neighbors? And then climactically in our final masculine psalm, my own friend, my companion, somebody I trusted. Notice that little theme and don't read Psalm 55 alone. Read all of them together and you'll actually have a richer, more fuller feast when you're dealing with betrayal. Second observation about the collection piece. Don't read it alone. Read it in a collection. Notice the bookends between 52 and 55 and this idea of the deceit of one's tongue. So if you look over to 52, look at the first few verses. Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right, Selah. You 
Love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. That's how our collection begins, and how does our collection end? Psalm 55, verses 20 and 21. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends, and he violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Flattering, kind, happy words buttered him up until he eventually used his words as a dagger and betrayed him. 52 to 55 is a collection. Don't read it alone. Point two. Don't read Psalm 55 alone. Read it in context of the history of what's going on. It's a psalm of who? Of David. We've already been seeing in this little mini collection of masculine psalms that David's on the run. People are chasing him. They're trying to kill him. So when he's talking in Psalm 55 about enemies and his life and the fear that he's experiencing, don't just read those in isolation. Read them in the history of the story of David. Or to put it another way, when, when, when do you think David wrote Psalm 55? Honestly, he could have written, wrote this dozens of times in his life. But the best guess is when David was experiencing the betrayal of his friend Ahithophel. Ahithophel. It's a mouthful. All of these are Psalms of David. There's this theme of betrayal, and several different times he's betrayed, even in just these Psalms, in the history of them. But there was one time when David's trusted advisor, David's man that he called his right-hand man, the guy that he turned to for counsel. Does that fit our context of Psalm 55? I sought counsel with you. You helped me for decades. You were my friend. Ahithophel, when you read in the story of David in 2 Samuel 15, 12, hear this one little verse. The history of Psalm 55 might perhaps be this one verse. 2 Samuel 15, 12. And when David's son Absalom, pause, David's son Absalom is very angry because of the way an incest incident happened, and he wants David dead. There's a lot more to that story, if you could imagine. Back to the scripture. And while Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent Ahithophel the Gileonite, David's counselor from his city, Gila. And the conspiracy grew stronger and the people with Absalom kept increasing. In other words, David's son worked together with David's best friend, his best man at his wedding day, that guy. And now his son and his best man are conspiring to kill David. You think when David feels that, hears that news, that that, that might affect him? That he might feel afraid? that he might feel angry, that he might feel bewildered. Don't read Psalm 55 alone. Read it in the history of the life of David and see if that does not start bringing forth more 4D, 3D kind of clarity to what's going on in Psalm 55. So don't read it alone. You might start realizing that the collective reading, that was point one, strengthens the historical reading. Who's Ahithophel? Bathsheba's grandfather. 
Who's Bathsheba? Read Psalm 51 when David sins by committing adultery with Bathsheba and then murdering Bathsheba's husband. Psalm 51, David and Bathsheba. Psalm 52 to Psalm 55, betrayal, betrayal, betrayal from Bathsheba's grandfather. Hmm, maybe you shouldn't read these psalms alone. Read them collectively. Read them historically. Third, read them canonically. I know that's a big word, but it just means God, the writer of the Holy Spirit, inspired David to write these words, and therefore we read all of Scripture together as a unified whole. And as we do so, we should ask two simple questions, and I'm going to ask them now and point out two examples. How should we read Psalm 55 in light of the Old Testament? How should we read Psalm 55 in light of the New Testament? Or be more specific, does Psalm 55 ever reference anything specifically going on in the Old Testament? Does it ever reference anything in the New Testament? Or do New Testament authors point back? That's the question's answer. First, don't read Psalm 55 alone in isolation. Read it in the whole counsel of God's word and realize that in verse 9, when David is talking about judgment coming down, destroy, O Lord. Notice the language. Divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it, on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. I believe what David is doing here is taking God's past actions of judgment and applying them to his present situation. Past actions of judgment in verse 9 are the Tower of Babel. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues. There's a wicked people that when they work together, they do horrible things. Look at the city. That's verses 9 to 11. And so he's saying, oh, I know that the first major city in the Bible is this city called Babel. And by the power of their words and their tongue, they work together to rebel against God. And so he's saying, God, I know what you did in the past. I want you to do it again here now. I think that's how you should read this canonically. The Old Testament is referencing itself. And therefore, if any of you start to get nervous, like, wow, are we allowed to pray like this? Are we allowed to say, destroy my enemies? If, if you feel nervous about that, I think that's good, you know? But throughout the Psalms, they repeatedly talk this way. And I think... If it's a masculine, it means that it's instructive. But more specifically, I think it's more instructive when you read the psalm in light of its Old Testament context. And he's simply appealing, God, I know what you're like. I know that you hate evil. I know that you punish those who use their tongues for evil. So I'm appealing to your character based on the past history of your works. And if the Tower of Babel one, you're like, eh, I'm not so convinced. I got a second example. And it's probably the one that if you were to read Psalm 55 slowly and carefully again later today, you'd be like, what do we do with this passage? Let me explain. Look your eyes down to verse 20. Um, sorry, verse 15. Verse 15, let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. Now, some people might just quickly translate that as like he's saying, go to hell. And I don't think that's what he's saying. 
I really don't. I think he's intense, and so the language is intense. So if, we're, if you're saying, this sounds intense, that's true. But again, it's just like the Old Testament story of Tower of Babel. He's referencing the story of the sons of Korah from Numbers chapter 16, when the earth swallowed up the people that were conspiring against Moses and his leadership. Does that maybe fit David's context? Here's a leader who's been chosen by God to direct and guide his people. And then there's a conspiracy of people that want to take him out. Read number 16 and realize that when Moses prayed to the Lord, the judgment of God came down and the earth opened and it swallowed up those people alive. I think he's doing what he did in verse 9. Here in verse 15, he is saying, let death steal over them and let them be swallowed up alive like the sons of Korah. And therefore, he's doing what I just mentioned, appealing to the character of God based on the story of God and knowing that God will not deal nicely with those who conspire against his chosen one. He will judge them. And so by reading the Old Testament references, Psalm 55, if not read in isolation, but read in context of the whole Bible, might be a little bit more understand, understandable. Second question about canonical reading, the canon of scripture, by the way, that's what I mean by canonical. Canon meaning a collection of all these books that we have made a rule to say the 66 books of the Old and New Testament is our canon or rule. It regulates this is the word of God. Should we add more books to it? No. So the New Testament, does it ever reference Psalm 55? I think the answer is yes. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter tells his early church Christians, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you and cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The language of casting all your anxieties, burdens, is very reminiscent of what we just saw in verse 22. Cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And in light of 1 Peter's context about the righteous that are suffering, even though they didn't do anything wrong, and he tells them to persevere in suffering, and at the end he encourages them and says, cast all of those burdens, all of those cares upon the Lord, remembering that he cares for you. And then when you read back and say, because he cares for the righteous, that's the original context of Psalm 55. So don't read it alone. Don't read it in isolation from its collection. Don't read it alone in isolation from its history. Don't read it alone in isolation from its canon. Fourth, don't read Psalm 55 alone, like literally. Don't just read it alone by yourself. Personally, use Psalm 55 with other people. If you've ever experienced the feeling of wanting to run away, you guys ever heard that song, I'll fly away to glory, I'll fly away. It's the end of my singing. No more, Nate. Some people reference this passage as the source for that song. 
That is not what David's talking about. He is not wanting to fly away to glory. He is wanting to get out from all of the oppression around him. Have you ever felt so overwhelmed by your circumstance? The only thing you could think of, I just want to run. I want to get away. Nobody loves me. Even my best friend is betraying me. My friends and my family don't love me. Brothers and sisters, guests and visitors, the Bible is written in human history and the Psalms tell us about every thought and emotion you could ever experience. Read it personally, but read it corporately. This is a heart-wrenching personal expression of poetry in the darkness of dark days. So I believe this will be useful to you, but I believe it will be more useful if you read it collectively with the people of God. So I want to pause and just illustrate this with my own life. We're very close to the one-year anniversary of my mom's death. And the last year has not been easy. Some of you know even just the big highlights that after dealing with grief and pain and struggle in our extended family, then right before Easter, I get thrown into the hospital with a big blood clot in my shoulder and told, you need a pretty invasive surgery. I told some of my friends in the darkness of those days, it felt like I was down and then I just got kicked. That's what it felt like emotionally. And this last week, I was reminded yet again of the power of corporately, collectively sharing with someone else your burdens and bringing them to the Lord. So earlier this week, I, I didn't even realize the amount of deep angst, turmoil, and pain until I literally said words out of my mouth. And some of you, therapeutically, in your own heart, you're too individualistic and you're too isolated and you need to read God's word out loud with other people and share your burdens and cast them on the mercy of the Lord. I just know afresh that that experience must have happened to help prepare all of us, but I'll just say from the deep bottom of my own heart, this was helpful. This was tremendously therapeutically healthy. I didn't even realize the kind of hurt that's been storing up over the last year. But then I said it out loud in the context of the people of God. And then I was able to bring and cast these burdens before the Lord. Do not read Psalm 55 alone. You're, you're not alone. Why are we here together? Why not just stay at home, listen to the podcast, and read your Bible alone? Why is it good for us to gather together? Why are we a church? Why does membership matter? So that we can cast our burdens upon the Lord. Why does Psalm 55 exist? Because David's personal experience is meant to instruct the people of God to cast the burdens that they have to God. Brothers and sisters, I just want to plead with you and encourage you that this is helpful. And guess what happened? My burdens didn't go away. And I've tried to say again and again, it's not that when you pray to God immediately, Everything's better. 
as in your circumstances changed. But man, things are better. This week has been better as if this burden that was down in my own heart was lifted as I threw it before the Lord and entrusted it to him. Don't read Psalm 55 alone. Read it out loud with the people of God as it was meant to be done. And share your burdens with one another, even if you're afraid. If I share that kind of personal thing with someone else, they might betray me. Isn't that the reason why we don't actually share what's going on? At least for a lot of us. Fifth and final reason, fifth and final encouragement, why you shouldn't read it alone and why you can trust that even if someone takes that precious information of the deep, darkest parts of your heart and use it like a sword, like David's councilman. You thought you were my friend. You just stabbed me in the back. Don't read it alone because you can read this psalm with Jesus Christ. The entire sermon series is called The Songs of Our Savior. I'm like 100% convinced Jesus read all of the Bible. Like he knew it really well. And therefore, I believe he read Psalm 55. And I don't think he just read it. I think he read it collectively with the people of God in worship. I can't prove that 100% of the way. But I'm just really convinced based on all that I read about Jesus and how much he appreciates and loves God's word that he read it and reread it and he did it with the people of God in his day. So in one sense, you can read Psalm 55 with Jesus knowing Jesus read this, but I have something much, much greater than just knowing, oh, Jesus read Psalm 55, cool. Now I can read it knowing we both read the same thing. That's not all I'm trying to say. Jesus read Psalm 55 and then he embodied it. He became it. Matthew 26, I just read for you. The story of Jesus being betrayed by his friend. The whole New Testament gospel tells us that repeatedly Jesus faced opposition like David. He had his crew of guys, but when it got down to the moment that Jesus needed his crew the most, just like Ahithophel, Jesus was betrayed. Did you notice in Matthew chapter 26 when Jesus said, Friend, do what you came to do. Friend, the man opened up his life with this friend, Judas, for years. Walked with him, talked with him, lived with him. And his words were smooth as butter, Judas's were. He was saying the right things, doing the right things. And then when Jesus Christ is about to be arrested and betrayed, not only did Judas betray him with a kiss, but did you notice the way this passage ended when I read it? Matthew chapter 26. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and hid. If you've ever felt alone, isolated, lonely, betrayed, can't trust anyone, 
The Word of God became flesh, and the Word of God lived all that Psalm 55 points to, and so, so much more. He did not just run for his life and want to fly away. He stayed. The commander of angel armies could have called down thousands of angels, and he could have run to the mountains and not died on a cross, but he stayed and experienced complete and utter abandonment, not just from Judas and not just from the 12 disciples as they all fled and left him, but then he hangs on a cross to take away the wrath and the abandonment and the isolation from God the Father himself, and he hangs on that cross saying, my God, my God, you have forsaken me. I promise you, as real and as dark and as deep as your loneliness feels, it's not as dark and as deep as the Lord Jesus Christ being utterly and completely forsaken and abandoned by betrayal. So then you can read Psalm 55 knowing that these words probably only scratch the surface as to what the man Jesus Christ was experiencing in those days. So you can sing them, you can live them, and you can walk them like he did. First Peter, who quotes Psalm 55, also says this right before he gets to that quote, cast all of your cares upon the Lord, your burdens, he cares for you. In chapter 2, Peter writes, For what good is it when you sin and then are beaten up for it and then you endure? But if when you do good and you suffer for it and you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you would follow in his steps. He committed no sin and neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued to entrust himself to the one who judges justly. I think that's the only way to make sense of what David's doing in Psalm 55, and it certainly becomes high definition, ultimately clear in Christ himself. Our psalm ends with, but I will trust in you. And there Jesus is after being betrayed and after having lies thrown in his face and after suffering repeatedly. He did not threaten back. He did not revile in return. There was no deceit in his mouth. He committed no sin and trusted the one who will judge justly. And that's our example. So read Psalm 55 and take all of the examples and lessons as you read it alone and with other people, as you read it in history, as you read it collectively, Follow Jesus and the example he sets of living out this psalm. But it's even better than that. What if he was just a good example? That'd be good. We need a good example. We need a better one than David. Remember the Bathsheba thing? Yeah, we need a better one than David. David helps us. He trusts the Lord even when he's betrayed. He turns to the Lord and calls and cries out and casts his burdens on the Lord. Friends, learn from David. Oh, but in a much greater way. Learn not just the example that Jesus provides. Receive the forgiveness of all of your betrayal. Remember, you're not supposed to read the Judas story and say, oh man, that Judas guy, something's wrong with him. I would never do that. Brothers and sisters, guests and visitors, we're Judas. We're the disciples that flee. 
when things get really tough, and when we start to suffer, when we deal with betrayal, we're ready to run. But this is the way Peter continues. Jesus Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we would die to our sin and live to righteousness. By your wounds, by his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. The great shepherd and overseer of your soul, Jesus Christ, proclaims to us, he cares for you. So cast your burdens, every single one of them, in community, collectively. Read Psalm 55 and don't do it alone. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we do now come in the name of Jesus. And we do so because he is our high priest, our mediator, and he is our only hope. We want to pray that through your Holy Spirit, we would be able to entrust ourselves to you, the one who judges justly. We have seen through the past and even in Psalm 55 that you will punish the evildoer, the wicked. You've done it in the past and we can have confidence that you will do it again. And so we ask that there would be justice where there is injustice. There would be truth where there is deceit. But more importantly, Lord, we pray that for those of us that know ourselves to be the ones who have been deceitful and unjust and wicked and betrayed, help all of us to receive the forgiveness of sins by faith and faith alone and cast all of our burdens, all of our sins, all that we have, throw it at you and stop trying to carry it ourselves. It's destroying us and killing us. We pray that we would be risen to new life, resurrected from the deadness of our sins, and walk in righteousness. We pray this to the glory of your great name. Amen. Well, at this time, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together, and I realized I think my elements... And get the element of the bread ready. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have repented of your sin and trusted in Christ alone. Or as we sang just a few minutes ago, do you know that you were once an enemy, but now you can be seated at his table? If that's you today, you believe the gospel of Jesus. You believe that Christ died on the cross for our sins. He rose again three days later. He ascended to heaven and he pours out his spirit so that we can participate by faith in trusting that the one who we've betrayed, he experienced rejection and abandonment and forsakenness so we could be accepted, reconciled, forgiven. The bread and the cup, we do this collectively, we do this together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're told that the bread is a symbol of the one loaf. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry, and I speak to you as sensible people, and judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not the participation in the blood of Christ? And the bread that we break, 
Is it not a participation in the body of Christ? For there is one bread. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. In just a minute, I'm going to read for you the words of Jesus from 1 Corinthians 11, as they're quoted here. But know that as we eat the bread together, we are all collectively saying we are one in Christ. So we read Psalm 55 in Jesus Christ, collectively together, because we're one as a family. And that's what this thing that we're doing is really all about. For I received from the Lord Jesus what I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. Drink. 